This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Deacon Danny Cahoot. So we're going to start in Luke chapter 1. And I'm going to read a few verses here and I'm going to jump to the Old Testament and spend quite a bit of the lesson this morning explaining the New Testament from the Old Testament. So if you can follow me, I don't know if they're going to get these up, but uh, he said they had a glitch in the computer, so we'll work with it. Well, Luke chapter 1, we're going to start. And this is something you really got to pay attention to as we, as we first start into it, then it'll become easy to understand as we get going. Luke is the writer of this book. He wrote Acts as well. But if you look closely to who he's writing to here, it's for the church. But it's one in particular, and one particular person he specifically was focused on. There's a man named Theophilus. Well, it's actually Theophilus means friend of God, and it's a title given to several people. But he specifically was talking to this man who was a Roman by descent, and uh, he was an, an official. And Luke, for some reason, connected with him. There's a theory, there's two theories. One is that he was quite wealthy and he donated quite a bit of money because he, he was fed, uh, intrigued by Paul's conversion. And so therefore he funded a lot of Paul's ministry. And so therefore Luke wanted to talk to this man to say, and wanted to tell him the certainty of those things that you're involved with. That's just one theory. The other one I'll get to here in just a second. But if you look at Luke chapter 1, and we'll start there, it says, For as many have taken in hand to set forth in order. That's many. Many people talking about the apostles mainly. A declaration of those things which we have most assuredly believed among us. Even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. It seemed good to me also. And see, I'm going to back up just a little bit. If you study the book of Acts, Luke was one that followed Paul just about everywhere he went and documented. He was a choreographer. Uh, what do you call the person? That, not a scribe, but I'm going to you do this, I'm going to write it down. He did that for Paul in quite a bit of his journeys. But anyway, this right here, both books, if you look at uh, Acts, He's writing to the same man. Luke writes to Theophilus in Luke and in Acts. Verse 3, It seemed good to me also having a perfect understanding of all things from the very first to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus. Now, he, he, was, he had a perfect understanding because the Gospels and, and, and the Apostles brought them the message, and he said, hey, we got a perfect understanding of it. I know what's going on here. That thou mayest know, talking to Theophilus, thou mayest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. Paul's trying, I mean, Luke is trying to win this man to the Lord. And thus being, he is trying to explain the entire gospel to him in detail. So this is the base, basically paving the way of John the Baptist, and if you look at the birth of in the conception of John the Baptist, it's miraculous. Because as we, get, as we begin to study it, 
When we look at Zacharias, he was 92. His wife Elizabeth was 88 when this particular incident, this story took place. So it says, there was, this is verse 5, there was in the day of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah. Now Abiah is actually Abijah. And we're going to get into that right there because that, when, if, for somebody just reading, it, Zacharias was of the course of Abiah or Abijah. Very few people have studied and know what that's really all about. Okay. And his wife was the, the daughters of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord, blameless. They had no child because Elizabeth was barren. barren. And they were both now well-stricken in years. Now, the well-stricken in years, Zacharias was 92 in this particular writing, and Elizabeth was 88. 88 years old is way on up there, beyond childbearing years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course. Now he was, if you look back further, it's the course of Abiah. Now let's go to First Chronicles real quick, and we're going to talk about that. First Chronicles chapter 23 at first. David was king in Israel, and uh, his heart was set on building a temple. But the Lord said that because he was a man of war, he was not able to build a temple, but he was going to allow his son Solomon to build it. But David got instructions from God about the order of the temple, the order of service, the order of the way it should be conducted. See, there was thousands and thousands of priests, and all of the Levites were priests. Now they had, back, in, back before the temple was built, they were on the feast days, they would erect the tabernacle and all the Levites would conduct the order of service for the, for the tabernacle. And the tabernacle would move from place to place to place to place, on, especially on all the feast days. But when the Lord said, erect it here, they would erect it there and they would honor and give sacrifice to the Lord. And that tabernacle would move and move and move and move from place to place year after year after year. And they wandered 40 years in the wilderness. But it came to, to when, when they finally got into the Holy Land, we're going to pick up right there and then we're going to discuss this course of Abiah because it leads up. This right here tells in the Old Testament actually the birth of John the Baptist, the forerunner. This, this is explaining it all right here. So if you look at 1 Chronicles chapter 23, I'm going to lead into that. Verse 25 of chapter 23 of 1 Chronicles. For David said, The Lord God of Israel hath given rest to his people that they may dwell in Jerusalem forever. And also unto the Levites, they shall no more carry the tabernacle, nor any vessels of it thereof for the service thereof. For the last words of David, the Levites were numbered above 20 years old and above, because their office was to wait on the sons of Aaron for the service of the house of the Lord in the courts and in the chambers and the purifying of holy things and the work of the service of God. And I'm not going to get into the showbread. That's a whole different lesson now. But maybe down the road I will. That's, that's really an interesting lesson in itself. But both for the showbread and for the fine flour and meat offering and for the unleavened cakes and that which is baked in the pan, which is fried, and for all manner of measure and size. And stand every morning to thank and to praise the Lord 
and likewise at evening, to offer burnt sacrifices unto the Lord in the Sabbaths, in the new moons, and the set feasts. Now see, they would, this tabernacle in the old days, they would move, when it come time for their feast days, the, fe- the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Tabernacles, the First Fruit Feast. There's, there's, and every time there was, they would erect that tabernacle and they would give the sacrifice and, and, and do that. And, uh, but now that they're in the Holy Land, they're going to build a temple. They erected it one time and it stayed stationary. They were in there. They had rest. No more war at this point. And so... But the instruction from God, this is how I want the order of service in this tabernacle to be. Once this temple is built, you instruct your son Solomon, this is how it's going to be done. And it had to be done exactly right. Okay, in verse 32, and they should keep the charge of the tabernacle. This is all the Levites. They're all priests. This is important. I know it might sound boring now, but it's going to get really exciting here in just a second. And the a charge of the congregation, the charge of the holy place, and the charge of the sons of Aaron, of their brethren, in the service of the Lord. Now what has happened here is Aaron had four sons. Two of them who was, who was in charge of also the tabernacle. When they went to sacrifice for the Lord, they took fire from the burnt offering sacrifice and started to burn incense before the Lord using that what God calls strange fire. That's not what God said. To. God said, no, that's burnt salt. That, that's for my separate purpose. So because they did that, he struck them dead. So Aaron had four sons, two died. We're going to get to that in just a second. And we're going to get to Abiah. This is really powerful if you just follow me. Verse, chapter 24, verse 1. These are the divisions of the sons of Aaron. The sons of Aaron are Nadah, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. Nadu and Abihu died before their father and had no children. The reason they died is because they, they went against God. They offered a strange fire on a burning incense. So God, so now all of the Jew, all of the Levites, they're waiting on the sons of Aaron before, as they build a temple because they are going to be the ones that's in charge of the operation of the tabernacle and the service of the of the temple when it's built. So. You got Ithamar and Eleazar. Okay. That's left. And David distributed them both Zadok, the sons of Eleazar, and Ahimelech, the sons of Ithamar, according to their offices and their service. And there were more chief men found among the sons of Eleazar than the sons of Ithamar. Thus they were divided. Among the sons of Eleazar, there were 16. Okay. Abiah was one of Eleazar's sons. Okay, let me, I'll get to that in just a second. One of the 16. Ithamar had eight. Now they had to wait till these men grew up, had children of their own. And, and you got to think when you're looking back to the New Testament, there were thousands and thousands and thousands of priests. Okay, but the order of it was set up. They had to, they had to be offspring of Aaron's children to run the temple service. Okay, verse 5. Okay, thus they were divided by lot, one sort after another, for the governors of the sanctuary to govern the house of God were of Eleazar and of the sons of Ithamar. Okay, let's go down to first. What they did is, okay, I'm going I'm to show you a little chart here. I got this chart. You won't be able to see it in the back. 
When they first built the temple and they moved into the temple, okay, it's the, the first one was in Passover in April. Okay, the first course, if you look at it, I'll look. Now, the first, they cast lots, a course of when they went in the New Testament, when it says, Abiah was of the, that uh, Zacharias was of the course of Abiah. Look at this real quick. Each week is a course in, as far as temple service. And I'm telling you, it might sound boring now, and I hope it's easy to understand once I get rolling with it. So, Passover, the first course, they all the priests work, all the priests conduct. On your major feast, all of them do. Okay, the, but the first course came on April, the first week of April is a course. Okay, the first lot came to Jeroboam, the second to Jedediah, Jediah, the third course to Haram, the fourth to Serum. These are weeks, starting April, May, June. These are weeks. You're looking at eight weeks. The fifth to Malchali, the sixth to Medium, the seventh to Hakaz, and the eighth to Abijah. That means Abijah ran the eighth week according to temple worship. You've got to follow this now because if you look at Zacharias, through lineage, down line through lineage, Zacharias came down line through Abijah. And he was running his eighth week according. If you follow that, this will, be, this will make a lot more sense here in just a minute. So you've got in April, the first course, the first week of April. This is once the temple is built, they moved in and they started working. You've got the first course, second course, third course, fourth course. All of them work on the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Then the fifth, third course, fifth, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. And here we are in the eighth course. And you're looking at somewhere around the, the, the end of June. Okay, so those are how the courses were set up. Now we're going to flip back to the New Testament. But see, even though there were thousands and thousands and thousands of priests throughout history, they, they all didn't run temple service. They ran service service. They played the music. They did the order service. They, they served the people. And if you look at this in verse 6 of 25, these are talking about the other priests. Chapter 25, verse 6. These were all under the hands of their father for song in the house of the Lord with cymbals and psalteries and harps for the service of the house of God. All of the priests, they had to be a Levite to, work, to serve in the temple. But they didn't actually operate outside of that course. They were in charge of everything else. The courses were ran by the downline of Ithamar and Eliezer. Okay, now we're getting back to the... So we, I had to get into that. To, so we go back to Luke chapter 1. This is really exciting here. Now that we understand that, let's go back to chapter verse 5 of chapter 1 of Luke. Okay. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah. He was down line of, Ithma, of Eliezer. He was a down descendant of Eliezer, one of the 24 priests that the temple service was waiting on, waiting for the sons of Aaron. And his wife was the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinance of God of the Lord blameless. 
they had no child because that Elizabeth was bearing and they were both well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, he was of the course of Abiah. According to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple. The whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And this is cool, because when you go into the temple, there was two veils inside the first veil, and nobody could just go inside the temple behind them veils. They were struck dead immediately. That Only these priests were allowed to go inside behind the veils to search for the service. So this is, this is important as we get to these next couple of verses. And while the whole altitude were outside without praying at the time of his incense burning, there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fell upon, fell, and fear fell upon him. One of the main reasons he was so fearful is he knew the law that no matter, if somebody was going to be behind that veil, they weren't going to be living. They couldn't come back. So he knew that something supernatural was getting ready to happen, and he was fearful. He knew that God, had, that God was moving. Fear fell on him because he knew that nobody was supposed to be back there but him at this time of burning of the incense. He, and uh, Okay, but the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, thy prayer is heard. Can you imagine? He's thinking, now what prayer is he talking about? I've, I've prayed and i prayed my whole life. My prayer has been heard. What, what is he talking about? I'm, you know, okay, here we go. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Now, he's 88 years old. He probably had quit praying for a son or quit praying for children when he started approaching about 50. So this is important to us in our own spiritual life. It's all timing with God. You may be praying and praying and praying and never see an answer, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it comes. You may be praying for something that you may never see or witness, but it will come to pass like here, years down the road. But here he is, he's 88 years old, and my wife is, he's 92. I mean, 92, she's 88. We're going to have a kid. He's saying, nuh uh. That ain't happening. I'm, I'm, I'm way too old. So what did the angel do? Because of doubt. Because of doubt. This is the angel talking to him. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, verse 14, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go... For him in the spirit of power of Elijah, Elias, and to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children after disobedience, to the wisdom and of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, here he is now, Zacharias is in the temple. He's saying, Well, wait a minute. He's remembering, see, he knew scripture, he was a priest. So, I'm going to jump back real quick here to Malachi chapter 3. There's no doubt in my mind. He's thinking, ah, oh, I got it now. 
Malachi chapter 3 verse 1 says, Behold, I will send my messenger and he shall prepare the way before me and the Lord whom ye seek shall, shall suddenly come into his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. So here's Zacharias thinking, oh my goodness, it's time. You know, I'm, my son who's going to be born and I'm 92 years is being sent to prepare the way for the Lord. They're going to call him John. Okay, let's, keep, let's get on further down. Okay, and Zacharias said unto the angel, this, we talked about this in, in, in Ecclesiastes, be careful what you say, because angels are all around us. Be, guard your words. Don't never say, see something that God is moving and say, God, you must be making a mistake. Not me, not you. Not, no, this is what, be careful. Because the Lord's going to perform what he sent to do, what he sends to do. Okay, verse 18. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well stricken in years. What, he is, what he's telling the, the angel, he says, that's impossible. If you, if you look at the context of it. Because just a few verses down, you'll see where the same angel comes to Mary she didn't doubt. She just looked at that angel and said, mm -mm. it may come to pass, but I ain't going to go sleeping around with nobody. We'll see this in just a second. And the angel said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak to thee and to show thee these tidings, glad tidings. <laughs> and so, paraphrasing a little bit, so because you doubt, what I'm telling you, it's already, you're already witnessing this as a supernatural experience. I'm here behind the veil. You're already witnessing that, that something is, that I'm sent from the Lord. So, but because you doubt, look what happens. Thou shalt not, verse 20, and behold, thou shalt not, y'all shall be dumb and not be able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed. Because thou believe not my words, which shall be fulfilled. Here's, this is important because I, I don't want to jump back to Ecclesiastes. In their season, a time to be born, a time to die. God has made everything beautiful in His time. Here we go again. This is, this is part of what shall be fulfilled in its season. You may be praying. You may be heartbroken. You may be, but let me tell you something. God has made everything beautiful in His time, not ours. We want things instantly. Instantly, we want prayers like, "Hey, it's not God's time. We got to wait on the Lord. We got to, you know, it, we might pray for something, but God knows the beginning to the end. We don't." Okay. Let's see. Verse. Let's see. Verse twenty-one. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple. For he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. Okay, this because he come out and he's trying to tell them sign language, writing down. What's he <laughs> look? Can you imagine this this scene, this whole thing? He comes out the temple like I've never seen an angel before, but I just saw one. How, how do you explain that? And here's 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 
now he, here he is. Imagine him coming home to explain to his wife. He can't talk. He can only use sign language. He can only use eye contact. Coming into his wife, his wife is 88, he's 92. And it came to pass that as soon as his days of ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. The only thing I can figure is he busted up in that door and looked at his wife. It's, how do you tell your wife it's time and you're 92 years old? Hey, baby! <laughs> can you imagine him, Zacharias? How's he going to explain? He's going to bust up in the door. <laughs> it's karma going away, but it happened. It's scripture. Okay, and it came to pass as he as his days were accomplished, he departed to, to his own house. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my approach from among men. I'm going to continue on this, but I'm going to stop just a second. I love the way our pastor's been teaching on something Wednesday nights, how this is my take on it. You might get something different out of it, but this is, it's, it's perfect. You know, we, it's, it's not doctrine. This is just the scripture, and this is the way I perceive it, I think, personally. One of the reasons she hid herself for five months was, hey, I'm 88 years old. I might miscarry this baby. I know that it's from the God. I know all this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to wait till it's, till, it, till it's beyond time. He's, yeah, I'm going to hide myself. People are going to be talking. People are going to be how, how do I don't feel like explaining nothing. I just want let's, to, let's, let's see if this thing is going to really come to pass. And that's just my take on it. Why would she hide herself eight months? Most women, when they get pregnant, they want to broadcast. They want to say, oh, I'm going to have a baby. She hid herself five months. The, verb, the, the scriptures don't say why. That's just, you know, I'm thinking, she's thinking. Let's give it three months. Let's give it four months. One more month, and I'll come out. Maybe. That's not in here. <laughs> So, and after those days, Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus saith the Lord dealt with me in those days wherein he looked upon me and took away my approach among men. Okay, here where we are. She is five months pregnant then, and in, in the sixth month of her pregnancy. Okay, that means July, August, September, October, November. That means December. This is December, the last week of December. Okay, this is where we're at in the sixth month. The angel Gabriel was sent from God unto the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man named Joseph. That means engaged. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind thinking, wow, why is an angel coming to me? He said, I'm Gabriel. You're Gabriel. You're, we've heard about you. She was a Jewish girl. When she saw him, she was troubled at his sayings, cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. 
And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Behold, thou shalt conceive, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, he shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Just skip that back just a little bit. I can't conceive in my heart. This shows the forgiveness of God. David was a murderer, an adulterer. Yet God is going to send his son not only to die on a cross, shed his blood for the sins of the world, raise him again. We're going to rule on the throne of a murderer throughout all eternity. That fascinates me. It just shows you it don't matter what you do, what you say, where you've been. God loves us more than we can ever comprehend to, more than we love each other, more than I just can't comprehend the love of God. That he is going to send his son to sit on the throne of David. That's just... Uh, when I read some of the scriptures in the, that I... Some of it just don't make sense to me. But I believe it. I believe every word. I believe every period. From, from beginning to the end. I don't understand it, but I believe it, brother. Here we go. Verse 29. No, verse 30. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, thou hast found favor with God. Behold, I shall conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then Mary said unto him, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? She wasn't doubting like Zacharias. What she's saying is his angel. That might be true, but let me tell you something. I'm not going to sleep with nobody. I'm a virgin. I'm, I'm engaged. That ain't going to happen this way. It might happen, but I'm not going to sleep around. Her doubt was different than Zacharias's doubt. Are you with me on that? Because she did, he did, the angel didn't shut her mouth. And here we, here we, okay. Verse 30, 34 again. Then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man, and I'm not going to know one, at least not till after I'm married. And angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which thou shalt, which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Now can picture Mary, my cousin. She's 88. She's 80. No, 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 no. She was caught that. Uh, and so what does she do? I got to see this. I don't know it's true. Once, you know, you, if, she's five, if she's six months pregnant, she's showing. She's going to be showing. And she's, so what does, what does Mary do? All right, let's read 36 again, verse 36. Behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called Mary. Now, this is December. Now, 
the last week of December, actually the first week of January. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, then Mary said, Behold, thy handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed. That confirmed it. The angel said, My cousin is 88 years old, and she's got a son, a son, and she's six months old with him. If that happened, be it, so be it. So be it. I believe every word of it, if that happened. But I got to see it. Look here. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill, hill country with haste unto the city of Judah. What she did, she said, I got to see it. My cousin, I ain't seen her in a while. I'm going over there. I got to see it. I got to see it with my own eyes. I have to see it. So she went with haste and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. This salute won't like a military salute. This is a salutation the same way up, up a little few verses earlier it says the angel came and gave a salutation to Mary. She came in to see her cousin Elizabeth and she came in and said, look, she didn't say, hi, Zacharias. She didn't say, hi, Elizabeth. She says, look at that belly. It's real. It's real. It happened. 88 years old. He's 92. It has to be a God thing. It has to be. Okay. In verse 39 again. Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judea and entered into the house of Zacharias and, and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation, so it wasn't this thing here, it was, Mary, let me tell you what happened when I was back here in, uh, in Galilee. An angel came to me too, said that you were six months pregnant. How did I know? What am I doing here? The angel told me. I had to come see it. I didn't just come here to visit. We haven't seen each other in months. But I had to see it. The same angel that appeared to you and gave you this conception of John gave me a conception, and I don't know a man. This is from God. God has put a baby in my womb. <laughs> and it was easy for Elizabeth to believe that because she had just conceived. Okay, verse 41. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, not above women. And blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence it is to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me. Elizabeth is saying... This is the one that was prophesied for years and years and years and years. He's here. What would compel you who's carrying the Son of God to come see me? These people were humbled. For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, this is Elizabeth, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Praising and worshiping God already. John the Baptist was already in that womb. Let me tell you something to you. These abortionists, uh, I don't want to get there. This baby leaped in the womb when she started her, when, 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 when they, she heard that salutation from Mary about the God had placed a 
baby Jesus in her womb, and this is the Son of God, this is the one that we've been praying for and looking for and searching for from, from, for centuries. He's finally here. Okay, verse 45. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things where the Lord had told her. Okay, we're going to go down further here. Verse 57. So if you look at it closely, okay, I'm going to go back to this chart. Right about the middle of the first week of December is actually the conception of Jesus. Because we know that the, the, the temple service began here. John's conception was in the last week of June, first week of July. She was six months pregnant when she came to see when, when, when Mary was conceived. Okay, we, I know when we, were, we, we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Christ, and we do that. But we've got biblical, the, the, the biblical timetable here of actual birth. You go nine months after January. You're talking about somewhere around the first part of October where the Feast of Tabernacle, and that's when actually, we've, we've talked about the feast before, the actual birth of Christ. Nine months, she carried the full pregnancy. So anyway, that's, that's, the, uh, that's the chart. I'm going to get back to that in a little bit. It's, it's thought-provoking to know, to follow it, and you got dates, and you got times, and you got people, and you got how way back in the Old Testament, how the course of Abiah was just set up, the forerunner of John the Baptist, way back in, in First Chronicles. It's just it's fascinating to me in, in this study. Okay, verse 57, the birth of John the Baptist. Now Elizabeth's full time came that she should be delivered and she brought forth a son and her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her and they were rejoicing with her. And it came to pass that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child and they called him Zacharias after his father, after the name of his father. And his mother answered and said, not so. No, 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 no. We're not going to tamper with the word. We're just not going to do it. He shall be called John. And don't you know, when you start making, a, when, you, when, when the Lord speaks to your heart and you start to move and you say, you know what's right. It might not sound right to people might say, what are you doing that for? Why are you doing, you know, no, if the Lord has actually spoken to your heart, let me tell you something. It's, 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 it's a fascinating thing. He does it in several, several different ways. One, when he pricks us poor lost sinner's soul and they realize they're lost and they first accept Christ. They go back to their friends. Man, you don't want to get tied up with them church people. You know, you hear all this negative. I'm not going to go to that. I've just got to wrap up here in just a minute. Okay. And they said unto her, there is, verse 61, there is none of thy kindred that is called by this name. Have you lost your mind? His name's Zacharias. They said, not so. His name's John. And they made signs to his father how he would have him called. Hey, you know, we're not listening to you. You're not naming him. The father's going to name this kid. We want to, we, Zacharias, give us, a, tell us, write it down, do something. Tell this woman, tell this wife of yours, we're not going to call him John. 
Because these, these, were, these were family. These were people that, that were all involved at this point. Verse 62 again. And they made signs to the father how he would have him called. And he asked for a writing table and wrote saying, His name is John. And they all marvel. They marvel, all of them. That don't make any sense, Zach. Don't make any sense. And his mouth was open immediately, and his tongue loosed, and he spake and praised God. And fear came on all them that dwelt round about all these sayings that were noised abroad throughout the hill of the country of Judea. And all that they heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What manner of child shall this be? The hand of the Lord was with him. And his father Zacharias, at that point, was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He sent us the Savior. It's not about my son John the Baptist. Hey, we got a Savior here. That's Christ the Lord. We got a Jesus. We got a Messiah. He's here, folks. The one we've been searching for and looking for through centuries. He's here. In verse 69, or verse 68 again. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people and hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, which he had been since the world began, since Genesis. Christ had been prophesied coming. And I'm going to have to stop. I gotta... But uh, here they have it firsthand, the first ones. If you, when, when, you, when, you, when you look at the birth of Christ as we head into the Christmas season and start, don't forget about John the Baptist. That was a powerful miracle in itself. I, I don't have time to get inside the temple there and, and talk any more about that because I, I won't have time to finish developing it. But as we, as we enter this Christmas season, say Merry Christmas to folks. Not no happy holiday stuff. I mean, it's a holiday. We like happy. We like happy holidays. Sure we do. But the reason for the season is we've got a Redeemer. We've got a Savior, which is born unto us in the city of David, which is Christ the Lord. And I'm going to close with that. But I've wanted to have time. I've got all these. I've, we've, in the past, I've studied every single feast in detail and brought them out in different on timetables, when they were, what they were about, what they were for, what, how they did it. Uh, anyway, I just wanted to bring my chart out. I bring it out once a year. This is a different take on it this time. And to show you, when you read that verse in Luke, Zacharias was in the temple praying of the course of Abiah. There's more to that, of course, of a buyer than just, boy, I don't know nothing about it. Now you know something about it. The eighth week in the simple service. Now keep in mind, too, that when it comes to the main feast, Passover, unleavened bread, the Feast of Tabernacles, all the priests serve on that week, on that course. That's not a course designed specifically to one of the sons of Ithamar or Eliezer. They all serve. All 24 courses serve on those main holidays and feasts. 
Then they jump back to the other courses. And the eighth course throughout history has always been Eliezer's son, Abijah's, the eighth course. You listen to Deacon Danny Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.